Hello and welcome along to another episode of Full Kit Banter. You are joined by myself, Pascal, and my co-host, Yushan, for yet another week of Premier League talk. But first and foremost, right, uh, we're going to delve a bit into the Champions League results because this morning there was a something quite... I won't say extraordinary, but you know something that took most fans by surprise. Uh, you should want to lead us into that. Yeah, it was a uh, you know interesting. That's the word I'm gonna say. And yeah, I'm just a uh, just gonna put it out there to all the listeners for this podcast that uh, if I do sound that I'm slurring my words or you know that I'm a bit slow <laughs> in articulating my thoughts, it's because I had a really long day at work, and we're recording this at about eleven forty-two p.m. On a Thursday late night fraudu- Late night fraudulence Yeah, and accompanying me on this podcast is A glass of bourbon whiskey so, Shout out bourbon whiskey yeah, so Wait, how is it bourbon whiskey if it's It's either bourbon or whiskey Oh, oh sorry, it's whiskey <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's, it's yeah, you see, it, you see, you see <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Yeah. So um, and you were saying you were saying speaking of slurring your words, right? Like mm-hmm. I I can't pronounce the name of the team that beat United. Alright, let me just educate you and all the listeners. <laughs> it's Istanbul, Baha, <laughs> Baha Seher. Baha is the guy who scored. Oh, that's a. That's a. <laughs> you we can't do that now. You know we have to be all PC and all that. But, uh, Wait, what? What do you mean? That's literally his name, Baha. <laughs> the bomb Baha, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh, man, yeah, I was so uh, watching the highlights earlier today, mm. and I don't know, did Bas, you know, run from the halfway line of the field towards goal? Kind of remind you of something that happened in mm. Liverpool's history. Uh, nah, man. No. Uh, I never no, honestly it's the first time I'm seeing I'm seeing this bar fellow play. I've never seen him before in oh. my life. Oh well yeah. um I mean since you obviously have the memory of a guppy, <laughs> let me just, you know, remind you that Demaba actually played in the Premier League before for a certain mm. club called Chelsea. Did, did he? Yeah oh, he oh, did. I thought New- oh wait, wait no, Newcastle, right? Oh yeah yeah, Newcastle. Yeah, 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 rings a bell. He, yeah. No, he played for West Ham. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. West Ham and Newcastle, right? Yep, and he, I mean, it's not fully on that particular goal, but, you know, some might say that the goal that he scored when Steven Gerrard famously slid hey, kind of caused the there we go. Liverpool's title you charge. You got it out of your system. Totally. You got it out of your system. Well done, man. Uh, bah, hate that guy. Sorry, not there. sorry, man. <laughs> I'm actually surprised. I thought, like, in my head, he was still, like, in China or something. Oh, yeah. I totally thought... Was it Shanghai Shenghua? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if I'm you... trying to sound confident in saying that, but... Okay, wait. I mean, if me you're gonna check. talk about, like, EPL players who have transferred over to, to play in the Chinese league, like, the first team I would think of is Shanghai, Shanghai Shenghua. Shanghai, Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, so so back on the topic at hand. Oh, what was the topic at hand? <laughs> United are shite. Nah, I'm kidding. Like this is the this is why I keep saying United it's not our fault, okay? They keep giving okay, us this good we, material. Yeah, we we are not an anti We're not trying United to be honestly not trying to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's this just isn't a United stand. Yeah, like I said, 
um, when it's time to give them grief, we will give them grief. And they have been giving a lot of opportunities for us to give them grief. And if we're going to talk about, you know, if you have to give them praise, I can only say maybe the PSG match. That was the only game that they played. Well, and okay, what about the Leipzig game? Dude, they won five 0 man. They beat Leipzig. I mean, Leipzig kind of created a lot of their own problems. Okay, the but I thought think about you gotta give credit to a team that wins five 0 especially in the Champions League. Okay, okay. All 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 these yeah. all these results aside, right? As a neutral fan, okay, Ole has been in charge of United for two years, if I'm not wrong. Roughly about hundred games. I saw that. Yeah. And can you actually tell me? What is United's style of play? Um, exactly. Counter-attacking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a huge. I, I just, I just, I just know that United are woefully incapable of breaking down teams that park the bus, which is ironic because that's kind of what United do against. I mean, it's almost blasphemous to say bigger sides. I don't mean it that way. I'm, I'm, I mean it in a way that. Just better, better teams. Like yeah, I mean to call spade a spade, or rather spades. Yeah. Uh, okay, to rather use the phrase to call I know, a spade I know a spade. What you're talking about yeah. <laughs> yeah, like um, against big teams, United they do kind of punk the bus. Ole is he's pretty one dimensional in terms of his tactics, and when it comes, yeah, like you said, when it comes to breaking teams down, like you know teams that that the, the smaller the smaller teams quote-unquote smaller teams that, you know, travel to Old Trafford and they just set two banks of four and they park the bus. United really do have a problem breaking down teams like that. Like, I could just bring you back to the first game against Crystal Palace. And you know, you know Roy Huxon, say what you want about him, but he knows how to organise a defence. And yeah, true yeah. enough, United found difficulty breaking down teams like that. And it didn't help that they were pretty unfit. I mean, most teams were because we didn't really have a lot of uh, friendlies to begin with before the season started and you can see that they got really hit on the counter and Solskjaer had no answer for that he's more of a plan A park the bus and if park the, parking the bus doesn't work he relies on individual brilliance from his players to build him out like but like what what do you th- United are a side chock full of so many great passers why do you think they are having so much difficulty, like kind of breaking through the lines because because, because they don't have a style of play. They you you can see like even Fulham like they're not really the bottom team anymore. But I've actually watched one one game. I think it was against Crystal Palace. Yeah, they lost that game, but you can see that they have patterns of play. They like to build build um on the left hand side, which is the the dominant side where like. All the patterns of sorry, I'm I'm repeating patterns of play a lot. Yeah, but most of their play comes down the left wing, and you can see that they really they really have really good one touch plays in and in and amongst the the fullbacks with the wingers, and you know Mitrovic is the focal point. But whereas Manchester United wise, I don't I don't understand their the style of play at all. Like, are they a team that builds from the middle? Do they emphasize their play on the wing? Do their fullbacks actually bomb up and down similar to how Liverpool plays? I, you know, Ole has been in I charge for two years, and I, I'm not sure yeah. what yeah, they yeah, are yeah. in terms of an identity. I think they're almost trying anything that works. It's like they're like just throwing like yeah, like I wet said, balls of yeah, paper Ole at the just, wall and see Ole what just sticks. Saying, you know, 
like, I know he outright doesn't. Okay, I'm not saying that Ole has no tactics, but United's um top four charge last season was solely, you know, on Bruno Fernandez' shoulders, and you can see that he actually came in, gave the team a fresh perspective in terms of like this. Because Uni- United's midfield really lacked creativity before Bruno came in. And after he came in, he made a world of difference and he sort of spearheaded their top three uh, finish last season. And he now, you know, Bruno Fernandez-wise, yeah, we, we could take the make out of him and say that he's just a penalty merchant. Yeah, I mean, we, we both know, yeah, he's way more yeah, than but, that, but it's always, it's always funny. Yeah, but <laughs> you can see that, you know, Bruno Fernandez, he hasn't been playing that well these few games and... You can see this totally correlates with how bad United are in terms of, you know, the way they play and the the results as well. I think there was some uproar yesterday about the fact that Bruno played the full 90 minutes despite having a pretty shit performance uh, and Van Der Beek was the one sacrificed even though he wasn't like having a blinder by any means but he apparently was the best player United had on the on the pitch at the moment so... I guess it's a lot of frustration building up and it, it's football's a funny football's a really like bizarre funny sport which we all love because right after the six one hiding it was obviously doom and gloom and then uh, I mean I'm sure Ollie didn't care but the seven two that Liverpool suffered against Villa like it's a couple hours after that did take a bit of the spotlight off them. We have to admit that. And then they come back from international break, and then I think they beat, uh, they beat Newcastle comfortably, which you'd expect. But still, in in that kind of form, a four 0 win is always welcome. Was it four one? I can't remember. Yeah, it was four one. And then, they then they beat um PSG, which took everyone by surprise. And then, um, they they sort of don't get embarrassed against Chelsea. You know, keep a clean sheet. In many in many respects. A lot of United fans weren't thrilled by the nil-nil, but at the same time, you kind of take what you can get, especially against a uh, title contender in Chelsea. Yeah, re- referring back to the United and Chelsea match, yeah, I have to say that United were the better team on the day, but you can see that, you know, last season, Ole had the upper hand on Lampard. And, you know, if, for, for this season-wise, if Lampard... You could see that Lampard, like, he, he didn't really want to play into all his hands in terms of, you know, play a high line to get uh, counter-attacked on because we know, because he knows that Ole, like, has, ha- knows how to set up a team to counter-attack against him. And because of that, Lampard is, uh, Lampard would be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to let you do the exact same, ta- apply the exact same tactics as you did last year. So what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna set up a back five, and you know you, you we're gonna give you the possession of the ball, and you try to break us down. Which, like I said, they didn't know. They what didn't to know do, what yeah. to do. Mm. Yeah, I I mean we'll get to United. I mean for those listening, United are playing Everton this Saturday. It's gonna be a, a I won't say a Titanic clash, but it'll be a clash with like heavy implications. I guess on both sides, Everton are like currently on a two-match skid. Um, United are, you know, they have good. They have shown good away form, which is 
crazy that they've not won a game. Uh, they've not won a match at Old Trafford this season yet. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull off a shock. But we'll get to that in a bit. My question to you would be. I mean, I'm sure you've heard all the rumors swirling around, and the yep, rumors seem yep. to have been around for like what seems like months. But do you think this is finally it, regardless of the result at Goodison Park? Do you think come the international break, Ole will still be in a job? Okay, from my opinion, mm. I'm just gonna bring it back to you know United's. Like I, I know most of my friends that uh that pledge their allegiance to Man United. They, they know that. United's, it's not just down to Oli, it's down to every oh, facet of the yep. club. Definitely. Down from the board of directors to Ed Woodward to the Glazers and, and all that. And to, to them, the Glazers are just, a, they just treat United as a business more than a football club. So if, I, if they were to think in, in terms of a business sense, which one would be more expensive to spend 50 million to replace Juan Mata? Or you know to spend fifteen million to sack Ole, business sense wise, obviously you have to take you're gonna take the cheaper route, right? So yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, I think Ole will have, un- up until December, he won't be sacked until December because I think the results against PSG and Leipzig actually gave him an extended period of uh, time to manage United. And regardless of whatever happens in the United v Everton match, I think Ole will still keep his job. And yeah, I, I'm sure that, you know, Ole is not a stupid person. I'm sure he, he uses social media to a certain extent. And the rumours about Pochettino being the next in line to take over him, definitely, he, I mean, he, he definitely knows about it in, in one way or another. Not even Pochettino. I think there are rumours that Brendan Rodgers... Uh, I mean, obviously, I wouldn't put too much weight on the Brendan Rodgers rumors, but I mean, it's not too far fetched. Yeah, it's but not the too beyond the realms of yeah, possibility. But the, uh, just to put a little bit of banter on 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 both their names, you know, Pochettino yeah. and Rodgers, they are yeah. well known bottlers. So yes, I don't. It's know. not just that. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, pot poch. Yeah, I don't know, man. Poch, Poch is a great manager, don't get me wrong, but United are kind of... They don't really know what they want at the moment. Do they want instant success? I'm sure a lot of, people, I'm sure a lot of United fans will say no. They want to see a project and all that, but how long would they be willing to wait? Because I don't think Poch will be able to bring instant success if he does come in. Yeah. He's going to need maybe another two, three years. Which he, he's definitely going to want a director of football because, you know, under Spurs, yeah. he worked under, was it, um, oh, let's say Daniel Levy, but Daniel Levy is the chairman. Yeah, but he <laughs> D- had... Damien Damien Komoli, remember Oh, Damien Komoli, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> but, okay, you see, the, the way United are at the moment, they are rotten at the top. It doesn't matter... Which manager you bring in? You, you could bring in Guardiola, you could bring in Klopp, but other management like this, you know, I, I was I started I've noticed a trend with all Manchester United managers post Sir Alex Ferguson. So what happens is the new manager comes in, they get backed with money, they manage to secure a Champions League position, and second season onwards, you know, the back totally, the board sorry the board, they. They say, alright, we've already hit our target of the Champions League, so we don't really see the need to release funds for to, to invest in the squad because you know this squad, as you can see, is good enough to make the Champions League position. 
And because of that, yeah, you could see it with Louis van Gaal. You could see it with Jose Mourinho. Like, yeah, they managed to secure Champions League positions in their first year. And in the second year, you know, they are expected to be back more. But, you know, after that, they didn't really get the funds needed and everything just went downhill from there. And, you know, they get sacked and then they bring another new manager in and, you know, the cycle just repeats. It's just a never-ending cycle. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. It also hasn't helped that both those managers you named and even Oli to an extent... Maybe Oli less so, because to be fair, none of his signings have really been monumental flops. But with Van Gaal and Mourinho, like some of the signings have been duds, which could in turn impact the board's decision to you know trust that same manager with. Like you said, it's a business to them. So, like for Mourinho, he splashed, I think combined like sixty to sixty-five million on Bailly and Lindelof and. When he said he wanted a third centre-back, I think he wanted Maguire. Can you imagine if he got Maguire as well? Like, be three probably, like, expensive flops in one position, you know? Mm-hmm. So, in a way, I can understand why they've been cagey with their funds, but... I mean, we've, we've beaten this to death. Like, going back to the Sancho deal, they kind of summed everything up. It, it, yeah, they, they just... Yeah, it, I don't know whether it's, it's just, a lack of it's trust all just or, empty or promises, just a lack... Right? Yeah, just all it, it, promises. It, it's actions speak louder than words. Yeah, because like I said before, Oli is a naive manager and, you know, what you don't want to give him are signings that can be listed down as risk signings. Some, like, just to name a few, Joshua King, <laughs> David Brooks. And... Were they, were, were they legitimately linked to Joshua yeah, King? Yeah, they were. They were. There was not, that's mm. not even a joke. Yeah. yeah, and if you're gonna back Ollie all the way, you have to give him the signings that he wants. Like he want that there's evidence that evidence that he wanted Jack Grealish over Tony Van der Beek. Which is I don't know, I I kind of have suspicions on why Van der Beek hasn't been playing that much because you know, it, it he wasn't really an Ollie signing. And they didn't give like, I know the Sancho deal was extremely, like, it was being touted as extremely close to being completed. But in actual fact, I was doing some research, like, weeks ago, and it, United didn't want to cough up the 20 mil that, 20 million that uh, Borussia Dortmund wanted, and so the deal actually fell apart. And because of that, they actually panic signed, they did a lot of panic signings uh, on Cavani, and... Uh, I actually forgot was it Tellers right and the two Tellers ch- was okay yeah and the two young children who I don't know they, the way that they actually revealed Fakunda Fakun- Palestri God bless his soul yeah it was as though that he was going to be a signing that will enter straight to the first team but you know he's nowhere to be found now he's probably training with the under 18s and yeah, and as you can see, Ollie's really struggling with coming up with with the the way that he wants United to play. Because, you know, from his uh, short manager stick at Molde, he actually wanted to play with uh, wingers in a 4-3-3 formation. And United clearly do not have natural wingers. Say what you want about Rashford, but it's more of an inside forward than an actual winger. And United, they, they seem to have an aversion in signing right wingers. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, yeah, they're. Is I don't know. It's just a mess. 
just the total so message, much, yeah it, like you said it's just not even about the signings or the tactics anymore it's just if I was Ollie right uh, dude must be having sleepless nights because it feels like the longest time he's been on the chopping block even when United were like doing their thing and you know on that really good run uh, when they ended up third there were still murmurings of how people you know and and to an extent I expected United to kick on this season um, I had them in my top 4 I, I think the first um, before the season started I had them in the top 4 again um, but just their transfer activity the and they didn't really strengthen the, the, that much the murmurings coming out of Old Trafford you knew yeah the, 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 I guess the vibes just weren't good coming out of there and we see the results now you know but and that's the thing I was telling this to like some of my colleagues when they beat PSG when they beat Leipzig I was just like just wait guys <laughs> just wait because everyone's still in like not not panic mode but you know everyone's in um, crazy knee jerk mode anything that United do now will be over analyzed they win if they if they smack Everton up yeah you know it's going to be like oh we just beat the we just beat the side that's in the that's in the top 3 right now you know or it's like a Everton side that's been doing so well and then they're just going to like get another poor result a couple of weeks later it's just no consistency and i mean from a from anyone who's a non united fan who who's supporting like I was going to say anyone else in the top six. But hell, probably anyone who's just not a United fan, you know, it's like long may it continue because... Yeah, all this at the no wheel, longer a threat. Yeah, they're no longer a threat. And I I don't know. I, I feel like we've beaten the United drum to death. And I'm calling it now. They're going to they're gonna swat Everton aside. I can see it happening. And I mean... It, I mean, it's kind it, of this is FKB. Yeah, yeah so. it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of always always thing that you know they are he he's being kind of pushed to a corner. Everything's going up against him. You know, pitchforks are getting sharpened. Like reports mm. are, are stating that you know one more loss and he's out of a job, and then they just go on this extremely good run that kind of you know douses the flames of. Uh, oh, of you know, it yeah criticism. It and douses it, but it never quite extinguishes yep, yep. the flame completely. I agree. You know, and then like one loss, and then two loss, uh, two defeats, and then like you know suddenly wind starts to pick up and the fire starts to get fanned a bit further. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I I kind of feel bad for him, but at the same time, um, yeah. You see, you see, know, that's what, that's the thing with United. They are so inconsistent. Because, you know, when, when, when things are not going according to plan in terms of, you know, you're in, on the pitch, Oli does not have the tactical nows to change it. And because, because it's due to them not having a proper system of play. And, you know, just to kind of stroke your ego a little bit, I would like to list Liverpool down as, you know, say what you want about... I know, you know Liverpool, like before Klopp and all that, they have been okay I would like to say that they were in in and around the category of being called a banter team but you know credit to Klopp he actually changed you guys into mentality monsters with an actual style of play and you can yeah. see that 
yeah when when you guys went down to to West Ham and yeah you guys you guys were aging towards the the 80th minute at 1-1 even after, even during that that uh that that this allowed goal this allowed goal yeah sorry this allowed goal that I know I actually knew that deep in my heart I knew that you know you guys were going to win that match somehow because you know that's the way you guys are you guys have been you you guys are a winning team like, just just to to call a spade a spade and on honestly the this Liverpool team reminds me a lot of the the old United team yeah exactly yep. the 2007-2008 United team with like Tevez Rooney Ronaldo it's just you never yeah it's difficult for me because I'm a Liverpool fan and it's been ingrained in my head so long that anything that can go wrong will go wrong mm-hmm. we are like as a fan base we are one of the most pessimistic fan bases around like it's only the recent success that is kind of changing the mood but I mean you could even tell when uh, the league was about to be shut down every, like suddenly all the negative vibes came back <laughs> it's just we are just kind of like that and I think for United fans it's the opposite especially those who are kind of like our age you know like mid 20s to early 30s yeah because they actually seen um, the glory days of uh, they grew up with yeah. that winning mindset they grew up with the mindset of like oh we're gonna get like a 94th minute winner like you know it's like it's always Fergie time mindset and then now it's just not there man and yeah, and and I think yeah, it's, it's, the the reason why Liverpool have been so successful or late is because you know this team that Klopp built is the team built in his own identity. Whereas if you take all his squad, it's actually bits and pieces and signings from you know managers who have spent total of uh, eight years. You can see like yeah, you have you have team, Moise, yeah. you have signings from Moyes era, you have signings from Van Gaal's era. Mourinho's era and now all this era, so he can't actually imprint what he wants into this team, and that can only happen when you give a manager like maybe three or four years at the helm, which sadly to say I don't think Ole has. From if the rumors are to be true and that he's gonna get replaced soon. Hmm. And but but I think yeah. sorry sorry yeah no, no go ahead yeah and. The difference I see between him and and Lampard is, yeah, say what you want about Abramovich, like he may be uh he may be once known as a trigger happy owner, but from what I've seen, uh being in place, you know, Czech being hired as a director of football, Ashley Cole being hired as a a defensive coach, you can see that you know Lampard's really getting back, like with his signings and you know the personnel that he wants to to be in place in terms of his uh coaching staff wise. That Abramovich is willing to give Lampard time to build a team that he wants to actually challenge for the for the title and you know future Champions League. You know who 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 knows? Philip Lampard could actually win the Champions League with Chelsea. That would be every Chelsea fan dream. But you know the only way you can do that is if you really give the manager what he wants and. Yeah, that that is a stark difference between Ole's tenure at United and Lampard's tenure at at Chelsea right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lampard still got a lot to a lot a lot of work to do, but I I agree what you're saying, um, and I mean things look like they're picking up for you guys. Finally, you seem to have more confidence at the back. I think it's all five clean sheets in a row, right? And that's what having a keeper with 
arms <laughs> <laughs> can do to yeah. can do for you. Kappa's not even making the bench anymore, man. Who? It, it, Who? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, final thoughts on United because I want to move on and I feel like uh, I, uh, I I don't want to kick all yeah, these down anymore. What? Since this doesn't really affect either of our teams, I think it's safe to give a prediction. I'm just um, gonna say, United's gonna win this. Yeah, I have this strong feeling, and I don't know. Like, okay, Ancelotti might be the more experienced manager, but you know this is football, and you know history has always sided with Ole. Whenever he needs a result to go in his favor, it kind of goes in his favor. Yeah, and it's also a weakened Everton side. You know, they they and they're rocking a little bit. I think. Everton are gonna be super pragmatic. You know, they they know they know like we talked about this earlier. They know United's deficiencies are when teams sit back against them. So yeah, but the thing is that they're they don't probably they don't have pace merchants to hit United on the counter, which is just gonna bring more pressure. They're just gonna rely on set pieces, I think. Uh, but wait, is is Hamas healthy? Has he recovered from his ball will, injury? I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> he's. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he will be, but um, he might he might be on the bench. But I mean I, that's how I see Everton because don't forget Everton are just this they are this nouveau nouveau attacking mentality side. Like for the last two three years, they've always been a more like defensive, especially when playing against like big six opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, they like I said, they just lost two games. They know right now that, yeah, sure, they might be close to top spot, but based on the last two results, and they probably they should have lost against us, so it should be three losses in a row. Okay, I'm uh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna amend my prediction. I'm just gonna go one one. One one, yeah, yep. fair enough. One one, but I think they're just gonna try not to lose this game because they know United will be desperate for a result. Not even desperate. They like this is a must win for Oli. Like. Did I say Oli? Oli. This is a <laughs> must win. Like, no two ways about it. Must win. Um, I think Everton put up a very stern resistance and I see them nicking a goal from like out of nothing, you know, just Calvert-Lewin up to his usual tricks. But I, I see United... I want to say edge it, but I actually think it'll be more comfortable than that. I think United win by two goals. Um, whether it's three one or two 0 I don't know, but I think United win by two goals. So, um, having said that, I'm sorry, Ole, but <laughs> because I've said you're gonna win, you're obviously gonna get sacked this weekend. So, there we go. Um, yeah, moving on to the the oh my god, like I I almost forgot that this was happening this weekend, but City Liverpool, man, I think it's what eight games into the season, and we already have probably the. For for Liverpool at least, or for yeah, for definitely for Liverpool, the toughest fixture uh, of the season. Um, obviously, we are going in with a couple of key men missing, but I think we've kind of coped admirably without them. But then again, this is City, and this is a City side who are getting the likes of Jesus back. He actually he actually featured against Marseille in midweek, scored a great goal. Yeah, and you guys have a yeah, you got sorry to cut in. And you guys have an extremely yeah. terrible record at the Etihad. Like, I actually did. We do. I read yeah, a yeah. stat, I, and I, you guys are like twelve two, in the red. 
<laughs> the last how many games? Like I know in the last three in the Premier League, it's like eleven one. I think it's since Pep's tenure. Pep against Klopp. Yeah, that, that that's a weird thing. Like um, I, I was know, speaking. I know, yeah, I know you guys totally dominate them when they when they visit. Enfield. Exactly. Yeah, it's but it's like a, we're both yeah. allergic to playing at <laughs> each other's homes. Um, the one game that was relatively close was the season that we lost by a point. The one where John Stones cleared the ball off the line. You remember that? Oh uh, yeah, the one where was it? The one where Sunny scored the winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunny scored against us, but yeah, bitch ass is <laughs> <laughs> bitch ass is in Bayern. I, I bet you guys were like so relieved when he got his transfer to Bayern, right? I wasn't just like okay. I never want to see like a, a any player, let alone someone of Sane's quality, get injured. But when he got injured in the Community Shield mm-hmm. and was ruled out effectively the whole of last season, I mean, he is your kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, you brought th- you've brought this up many times, yeah. and yeah, it's obviously City are, are feeling the loss of someone like him and David Silva. Mm-hmm. I mentioned this in last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't quite think it's going to be a blowout like last season. I think it's going to be... I still fancy City in this, but I mentioned this to you. We cannot go in there looking for a draw or, or playing timidly. I think we have to hit them from the from the first whistle. And obviously City are going to be trying to do the same thing, but I think it's a City that can be exposed at the back. Um, yeah, yeah. I still think that, Diaz that, and Laporte are figuring each other out. right now. Like, maybe... If you were to tell me that three matches ago, I would say, yeah, this is a fair shout. But I don't know. I've been watching quite a lot of City matches this uh, this season, and they've actually shown an exponential improvement, like like really significant improvement in terms of their, their defending. And it kind of it's kind of down to you know Guardiola's new change in formation. He actually plays with two defensive midfielders now instead of the one. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, give and take. They have a much better defensive record now, but it comes at a price because as you can see City are not really free flowing this season. And it's kind of okay, firstly because of one of a few things. They do not have a striker that's fit and Kevin De Bruyne has been uh injured for I think a couple of games, but he's back right now and yeah, like you said, Jesus is also back. So, would Guardiola actually persist with this new 4-2-3-1 formation, which is a little bit more defensive and look to hit Liverpool on the counter? Because for the past few games, you guys really have been prone to conceding goals on the counter. Like, the one, like the, even the recent match against West Ham, it was just a long ball up to, to Haller, who just flicked it over to, was it Fornells? Oh no, sorry. It was it was a it was no, a cross Gomez, in. Yeah, it was Gomez a cross in. Up his, yeah, he, did, he didn't clear it really well. Yeah. yeah, but it was also due to it was from a counter attack. Yeah, so I don't really expect a a trounce. Like I don't really expect a high scoring game. It's gonna be extremely cagey. But um, history favors City, so if I Definitely. were to call, you know. For prediction, I would say I mean City have to win this. They have to win this. They, they do. Yeah, they are they really. Do. I I I wouldn't say City have to win it. Uh, City can't afford to lose it. Is what I would say. And the thing is, City are like I think in the bottom half of the, t- of the table, but 
that's kind of it's not a fair accurate it's not a fair representation of where they are at actually i think if they beat us they go within two points of us with a game in hand so oh really everything oh. to play for yeah okay but if we be if we beat them we go eight points ahead of them so like like i said i think this is just a game that cost it's only eight games into the season you know so obviously pep would want to cut that that lead as quickly as possible but not at the risk of um taking nothing away from this match yeah and I would say City's poor start to the season was also mainly due to the number of injuries that they had but you can see that players are coming back and you know um, most of their players like Bernardo Silva I wouldn't say Raheem Sterling because he has been meeting a lot of, missing a lot of sitters but you know the new addition of Ferran Torres who is on really good form right now he's mm. a really exciting player and City really got him at a steal of uh, 20 million if I'm not wrong they can thank Peter Lim for that <laughs> totally destroyed Valencia man but that's for another day Um, I, I don't know I think Liverpool can use much like how City can use like you said the West Ham game obviously the Villa game as a blueprint we can use what uh, Leicester did to them you know and especially if they play the likes of Mendy whom I don't think will I don't think will feature. I think Pep's kind of washed his hands off yeah. of that. Yeah, that, the thing is that uh, the the thing that you know Guardiola is always known as a guy who likes to a manager who likes to rotate uh, every single one of his starting eleven. But you can see that he's sort of learning right now that you know yeah you can rotate your attackers and and all that, but you know the defense should always remain like. like you, you, you can't chop and change defenders nowadays and expect them to perform up to standard because in when you play in a defensive line, you have to be familiar with each other's movements. Know, like centre-backs-wise, you need to know who is in the exact same position so you know, like you both can cover one another in, com- in, in case one person gets dragged off the defence. And, you know, City with a settled back four is something that I have not seen for a long time, probably since when company was was still playing for City, and you can see that when when and when Otamendi was a somewhat decent yes, defender, yes, yes. I agree, and you can see that Ruben Diaz is slowly filling that Vincent company role in terms of being a dominant defender. Are you gonna go on another like ten minute <laughs> <laughs> tangent of why Ruben Diaz is good? I'm gonna order. I love Ruben Diaz shirts <laughs> and wear them to work. I can get I can get you the city away kit with Diaz on the back <laughs> if you want. It's quite a nice kit. Um, yeah, I mean, lot lots to say about City. Um, like I said, or like we both mentioned earlier, that what what they did the past few games um, was, or their deficiencies in the past few games were mostly down to injuries and just loss of form. Uh, but someone in great form who probably no one would have expected to have hit the ground running this fast is obviously Diogo Jota, uh, Diogo Jota. If, you know, if Liverpool fans were thinking of a signing that would hit the ground running, most people would have thought it would be Thiago, but fortunately it hasn't quite worked out. He's had a very stop-start um, career to Liverpool. Um, I'm sure we'll see him soon. He might even feature against City, who knows, but if you were Klopp, right, would you start Jota over Firmino this weekend? Okay, you know of my 
you know, snarky remarks on on Firmino. Yeah, you're not. You're not the. Only yeah, one. I'm not. I I'm mean, not Firmino's biggest yeah. fan, but yeah, you know, Liverpool have been so successful because of the four-three-three formation, which Firmino is clearly extremely integral against, and you know they're playing away against Manchester City, and I would expect Firmino to start because he does a lot of defensive work, and Klopp clearly favors him. Like yeah, even though he may not be you know this goal scoring extraordinaire, but he truly fits the system extremely well. And like like I said, when you're up against City at the head, head, you're gonna have to do a lot of defending, and defending comes from the front. So what Firmino does is, he is the main guy that instigates the press. He's the main guy that starts the press for Liverpool. And if, and like I said, football is not FIFA. You can't. You know, like 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 what some Liverpool fans are actually they actually want Diogo Jota to play in place of Firmino, which I think w- yeah, that's, not that's not gonna happen. That's gonna that's not gonna happen. Yeah, against City, so mm-hmm. I fully expect Firmino to play to to start and Diogo Jota to to come from the bench, and yeah, maybe against the smaller teams which require a lot more maybe movement at the front. Yeah, maybe I could see Diogo Jota starting then, but definitely not this weekend. Let me ask you, okay, that's those those are all very fair points, and I do agree with you on most of them. But let me let me let me pose you a new question: If Liverpool were playing anyone but City this weekend, do you start Jota instead? If let's say Liverpool were playing the, the smaller the quote unquote smaller teams. Yeah, like let's say we were playing WBA at the Hawthorns. Do you start Diogo Jota? Why can't you start Jota and Firmino? I mean, Firmino could play in that hope mm. that center attacking midfield role, right? And Jota to just play up front. Yeah, but that's the thing that that's even more offensive mm-hmm. if you're playing with like four quote unquote attackers at the Etihad. Or were you talk? Were you referring to like my example of playing West Brom? Or were you saying? Why not play four of them against City? No, no, no. I said, why not play four of them against West Brom? You, you can't play four attackers okay. against City. You guys exactly, get ripped apart. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, especially <laughs> with that patched up defense that you have right now. Oh, so who do you think will start? I mean, Gomez is definitely... I, I mean, a, I mean a, yeah. who's, who's going to partner Gomez? Yeah, who's going to partner Gomez? Uh, I think it's going to be Nat Phillips. Definitely not. I think they're um, going to go with Nat that, Phillips again. That, was it, is it Rice, Rice Williams, Williams or Reese Williams? Yeah, he's gonna uh, he's gonna be Nat Phillips. Reese, right? I, I think it's I, I honestly I have to double check, but I, I'm pretty sure it's Reese. I don't think it's like, Rice is like way <laughs> off. Yeah, but I think it's Reese. Um, yeah, but so Fabinho, I mean the fact that yeah, sorry, he played Fabinho against would not West be fit for that match, right? No, Fabinho's crocked for like at oh. least another like three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's because it's. Net I mean, Net Phillips played really well against West Ham, but it's City that he's gonna be up against. Oh, of course, and of course. But mm. I mean, I rather he played well against West Ham than he didn't. You know. Yep. It's it, it'll give him confidence. I'm sure Klopp will have told him, you know, well done. But you know, gotta keep your feet on the ground. Gotta keep working. Yeah, but hard. do you think the reason why he played so well against West Ham was because he was up against Sebastian Allaire and not Mikel Antonio? I mean, if it was. He was up against Mikel Antonio. I think West Ham would have scored more than the solitary goal that they did. Because 
Ole is just a a lamppost. He he was extremely he, his hold up play is terrible. It's nothing compared to what Antonio I agree. given. I I, I I agree that it it wasn't the most difficult of examinations. But you you gotta do. It's his first Premier League game. You know he's going up against. Alas no scrub. I, I mean, according to West Ham fans, yeah, yeah. he is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's gonna have a proper acid test this weekend against oh, the likes of sure, Sterling and, Torres. And no, I don't. I have no illusions about it. He's gonna have his work cut out for him. Um, it'd be a miracle if we keep a clean sheet. But I mean, I go into the game quietly confident. I still think City are favourites to win that game and. Uh, if you ask me now, if I take a point, you bet your ass I take a point. But well, let's like, let's make it a little like bit said, more. We, we yeah, let's make it a little bit more. F- you know, do you wanna ha- have a you know place a bet <laughs> on the result? Yeah, 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 we could go like. I mean, you've told me that we look, we're gonna get slapped up. No, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna say that you guys are gonna get slapped up. I'm just gonna say, um. Okay, I'm even gonna put my neck out there and say that you guys are not going to score because okay. City's defense they look they actually look good and I think City are just gonna nick it. No no. Let me just say City 2 nil. City 2 nil. Quietly yeah, I'm uh, quietly confident about that. I mean I think you, if you were to place a 2 nil bet, your returns would not be that high. <laughs> <laughs> um The thing is with City they are always that you you can always count on them to or one one of their players to just have a individual error in them it happened against Leeds happened again against West Ham happened against um happened multiple times against Leicester so i think we're going to score um i Heart tells me 2-1. Yeah, why not just go 2-1? But <laughs> Heart tells me 2-1, but I'm hoping... For a draw? Are you just going to no, s- are you gonna ho- sit ho- on that fence? No, no, I'm, I'm hoping we win, but... You know what, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 <laughs> Liverpool, but... Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to predict. Um, J- Jota I- with the winner, man. If Jota gets the winner, right, the you, hype you, you will have be ridiculous. To, you have to buy a jersey. With <laughs> the his, the his hype would be ridiculous. Oh, I already lost the bet like that. I already bought. I already bought an Origi jersey because <laughs> he scored <laughs> in the Champions League final. Do you know about that? Oh yeah, yeah. You have told you, me have you seen my Origi? Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, I did. I did. <laughs> oh my god, man! Fair play, um, man. Fair play. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, it's the my best buy so far. I don't know. I think. It's all. It's very hard for me to predict because I have the blinders on. I have the blinders your, on. I just know we. Rose, I, I know. Rose yeah, glasses. I know it'll be a very. Ex- it'll be an extremely difficult game. Um. Hopefully the players aren't too caught up with the hiding they received last season and, you know that those stats that aggregate and all that. I just think we have to. We have to go balls to the wall. I don't think we can. We can't we can't set we can't settle into the game. I think we need to hit them from from the first minute. That's the only way we get a result. Yeah, wherever it is, I think it's gonna be an extremely good game. I mean, it's Klopp versus Pep again. Famous last words: <laughs> zero, zero, <laughs> zero shots on target. 
Yeah, whatever, you know, what, whatever we predict on FKB, you have to take it with a pinch of salt because we are known to be kings of reversals, re- reversing whatever predictions that we do. So, well, you just, do you want to touch upon, you know, why don't we just talk about Chelsea for a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I can see that, you know, ever since Mandy and Thiago Silva played, uh, have been integrated into the defense. We have not considered a goal yet. But hey, I mean, up against Sheffield United, who we know they are not, not the most, trick, bro. Yeah, they are not the most you know potent in front of goal. But I kind of have this sneaky feeling that they're gonna we're gonna con like Manny's gonna concede his first goal this weekend. I don't know why. It's probably gonna be some jammy Ollie McBurney header. Does he even play anymore, McBurney? Uh, no, it's gonna be Brewster. It's written in the stars. <laughs> Brewster's <laughs> first goal is gonna be against you guys. Yeah, but you know, Lampard. We're just gonna talk about Lampard and his uh, start to the season. Yeah, you can see that the results that Chelsea have been getting uh, have been pretty inconsistent. You know, beat Brighton, lost to you guys, and then we have two. 3-3 draws against West Brom and Southampton which can kind of blame it on you know the the players not being able to gel properly yet and you know Lampard being unsure on the formation that he wants to to, to go forth as his main formation and yeah you see he started at he started with a 4-2-3-1 which kind of slowly transitioned into a 4-3-3 formation but you know after the was it Krasno, Krasnoda right. yeah, it is a Champions League yeah, it's a team yeah. that kind of sounds like something Plus you six. might hear in, in Skyrim <laughs> yeah. yeah so it was after that that he kind of stumbled upon the 4-1-4-1 formation which is the formation I've been kind of hyping up since the start of the season yeah it's, it's basically Kante in that Finally, he's finally playing Kante in that holding midfield role that what, what all, a, all Chelsea what fans are decision. I mean, yeah. like, it's not it's not like we weren't screaming for that <laughs> to happen a year ago. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not rocket science. Kante yeah. plays well in that holding midfield been, position yeah. when he's actually being entrusted the role of, you know, mopping up, mopping up the, the midfield and dictating plays to a certain extent and. Yeah, see what you want about Mason Mount. He's definitely a player that, you know, it, every team has this certain player that... I actually that, like Mason Mount. Yeah, yeah. like I said, every team has a player that, you know, fans are very div- divisive upon. And Mount is definitely one of them. But I don't... What? Yeah, Mount I, I don't is get not it. a winger. I, I don't, he, yeah, I don't get not, all the hate towards Mount. I think he's consistently be one of your best players. Yeah, it's because... You know, he's been seen as Lampard's golden boy, like his the one guy I child. don't get. I thought he's Southgate's, <laughs> Southgate's like. I mean, that that kind of that kind of something, like, yeah, you know, because that that kind of proves how much of a great player he is. If Lampard and Southgate both favor him, because yeah. he brings a lot of energy to their midfield. He does a lot of what you call the water carrier duties. He does a lot of pressing and all that, and. Yeah, I kind of feel that our best midfield right now it's 
Dicante in the holding midfield role with Havertz and Mount playing as two number eights. And you can see that, yeah, you could call it a 4 3 3 formation, but it's actually the 4 1 4 1 formation where, you know, I, I kind of feel that we feel we play much better when Abraham is up top. That was what I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. So you don't you don't feel Werner plays best. That, wait, it's not even a matter of Werner playing as a forward, but you prefer it when Werner's playing slightly off to the left and Abraham's yes, yes. up top. Yeah, because you kind of have this focal point that you can... It's kind of like a plan B because we all know Werner, he likes to play the ball in and behind and this kind of yeah. and in order for that to work you have to have space for him to run to and you know in in Bucket Spain you're going to come up against teams that set up very yeah. defensively and you're not going to have yeah. the space to run into which is why Tammy or Giroud is, he's, they are very good players to have I mean I, I'm sure you have to you're going to have to integrate Pulisic into that starting eleven. Because he's such a in, in, integral part of of Chelsea's uh, attacking front line, and he's definitely you're gonna definitely have to play him on the left wing position, which you're gonna have to choose between Werner and Tammy to lead the line. But right now, I wouldn't change the lineup at all, because whatever that Frank is working on now is definitely working in terms of results on the pitch. And yeah, I have to. Have you seen Zayesh play last weekend? Um, against Burnley, right? Yeah, against Burnley. Yeah, I saw bits of him. Um, yeah, he was I mean, so far so good. Yeah, so far so good. Yeah, I don't want to hype him up so much, but he he really brings something different to that to, to Chelsea, which I have not seen in a long time. Ever like the own the last creative player who played on the right who had a one of a left foot was Juan Mata yeah yeah and ever since he left we had William who tried to fulfill that role we had Pedro who who wasn't really a creative player he was kind of a guy who plays and off Pe- the shoulder Pedro, of the Pedro was always more of a support cast player you know yeah, he was more of never a support the guy striker. yeah exactly yeah whereas with, with Ziyech right now you can see the, the balls that he swings that he swing in from the right hand side it's it's with precision and that that first goal that he's like his first goal that he scored it it was mostly it was all power like you can see Pope didn't move after the ball left Zayesh's foot and yeah I'm really excited to see the player that he will become as he plays more games mm, and I, I think Chelsea's form right now and They've almost been quietly going about their business. I think after the Southampton result, it's almost like a switch went off, and a switch went off not only in Lampard's head but in the whole team's head. It's like we can't we can't keep giving away stupid goals and points like this. And I think if they just keep going about their business under the fly under the radar, that's to your advantage because. You guys already spent so much money in the summer. I don't think you guys need all this extra kind of pressure on you. So yeah, I totally agree about Just that. go about destroying these teams like Burnley, you know, pick up pick up pick up some um much needed points against Sheffield and whoever like you're, you because you've already dropped four points against 
like so called weaker sides. I mean, Southampton are flying high at the moment, but yeah, still, their, their West Brom result was their uh, West Brom result was yeah, yeah. It was like it was anything that could go wrong actually went wrong. But in hindsight, if come the end of the season, you guys like do well, it'll be it'll be looked at as a point gain instead of two points dropped. So yeah, you live and learn. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for. Uh, that Chelsea match this weekend as well I'll be paying a very uh, close eye on that because like you said uh, new formation and all that I think the last Chelsea game I saw was the match against United which left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth yeah <laughs> Hence, it, it was uh, yeah, was yeah you could see that Lampard and Ole actually both teams didn't want to lose like both managers didn't want to to start the the season off with L's yeah, and you can yeah. see that they both both of them were they only wanted to play f- with four point. And yeah, so the whole Ole V Lampard versus Mikel Ateta debate, you know, whoever's the best manager out of the trio will rage on throughout the season. And yeah, just you know, we cannot skip one Okay. I know I see quite a lot of uh harsh things about Mikel Ateta in the previous podcast and yeah they did beat United but they did it in a pragmatic sort of way so uh, and yeah the match on the whole it was pretty boring and it was kind of settled with a a penalty so you know Arsenal fans just you know calm down a little bit wait till you actually beat you know you actually play a real team. I wouldn't say... Damn, sh- <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I think Arsenal did exactly what they had to do. And yeah, on another day, they wouldn't have gotten the three points. But I think they, they, they executed their game plan to perfection. And yeah, I, I have to give yeah, Mikel Williams some credit for that. <laughs> I thought party was fantastic. Yeah, just to reiterate what I was, was fantastic. Yeah, as just well. to reiterate what I was saying before, they can only play well when they play in a pragmatic sort of formation. When it's only when they open up is when you truly see their defensive deficiencies. And yes, party played well, but just do not get on the hype train yet. Oh, of just course, give, of yeah, course. just. Of give course. him a few more games. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, this, I mean, this message it, is not to you. It's, it's, it's to all the Arsenal fans that are actually listening. <laughs> I wish yeah. our Arsenal correspondent was here, but... Yeah, I mean, when, when you're in that position... It's funny, I mean, going back to United a little bit, it's... They were kind of laughing at Arsenal going into that game because Arsenal themselves were on a two-game skit. And you know how how the how the turntables you know <laughs> <laughs> how the turntables turn. Um, so yeah, lots of good fixtures this weekend. Do you have anyone you want to nominate for fraud watch this week? Uh, okay, just I feel we're kind of scraping the barrel a little bit. Yeah. So f- so for our viewers listening, fraud watch is a segment where mm. we place players that have arrived to the Premier League with much hype or with an extremely lavish price tag and we put them under the microscope to actually see whether they are you know true ballers or like the segment actually said whether they are massive frauds so last week I actually placed Mikel Arteta on Fraud Watch 
And true enough, the reversal effect on FKB and they actually put off a masterclass to beat United away. I mean, yeah, I can understand why Arsenal fans are so gassed about it because it was their first win at Old Trafford since 2006. Since Arebayo, bro. Yeah, the That's bar- how long it's been. <laughs> yep. So when I heard that stat, I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was right, like, it's been geez, 14 like, years. God damn, yeah. Yep, so this week... Hmm... I actually... You know, I'm just going to put Bruno Fernandes in just for the Harvards. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, your, your, your Harvards nomination got him COVID-19, man. <laughs> you make Harvards as COVID? Yeah, he has COVID. I, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I was like... Kai. Yeah, um, when, when, put, when actually... You're putting yeah. Bruno in, damn. Yeah, I, I mean... He hasn't started the season well at all. I kind of feel that, you know, like you, you, we all know about the new manager hype, right? When the new manager comes in, the players yeah, get hyped up, then they start playing. Yeah, I would like to say that Bruno was kind of on a new player hype last season, which, you know, because of that, it gave him the bounce and he actually started playing well. But this season, you know, after seven games, he hasn't been the Bruno Fernandes that we all, the Bruno Fernandes of last season, it, he kind of, he's kind of playing like a, like a glorified Portuguese Milivojevic. <laughs> like what has he done? Okay, I know he's got that, that good volley against uh, Newcastle, but other than that, you know, hasn't, hasn't lived up to expectations, man. I kind of expected him to kick on after last season, but... I think we all did. Mm-hmm. And but he hasn't I done think, so? Yeah, I, I think you have a fair point in that. It's just that the rest of the United team has been even more shit, which is why uh, Bruno's been let off the hook a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, United fans have been screaming for Bruno to, you know, be the captain, to receive the captaincy from Maguire, but hasn't shown much there are no leaders in that squad yeah. like I mean Bruno yeah he gets angry you know he, he looks like he he gives a shit but just a passion merchant would, would you it's hard how, how can you justify giving someone who's been at the club for like six months the captaincy yeah, yeah he, it's not he just some really, scrub yeah. it's not a Sunday league team you know it's <laughs> Manchester United I mean the same could be said for Maguire exactly like and Maguire the difference is that Maguire I don't know how he managed to con everyone, but I'm not even talking about his skill set here. I'm talking about leadership skills. He just doesn't possess any man. I'm sure he's a nice guy, uh, but he, he. I mean, just look at yesterday's match. Like, defense was all over the place. No one's talking. One Bisaka like is pretty much mute. Um, Lindelof is prob Lindelof probably has more leadership skill than. Maguire, yeah, but I agree he himself, with that. He, he is too erratic and he switches off a lot, which makes him not the best candidate to be the one barking out orders. So, hell, make, make the hair captain, man, at this point. Like, he's the most senior guy, not age wise, but in terms of being at the club, yeah, it's just a 
Just the clown I fiesta. Won't say I won't say I won't say champ. Yeah, I'm gonna say clown fiesta. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm actually gonna nominate Pogba because oh, I think he's been extremely underwhelming. Not just like the last couple of games, but ever since he's arrived, man, he Pogba's best times at United was when Zlatan was there, and I'm beginning to think that those were his best times not because of him, but because. Zlatan was just being Zlatan mm-hmm. And I like Pogba a lot I mean I've seen what he's done With the French national team But Then you also remember that This is a team where he's Supported by Kante Matuidi um, Just load, you, got, you got Varane behind You had Back in the day You had Koscielny behind He's lots okay, of leaders be, in the To be team. a little bit harsh, he can be a passenger sometimes. He isn't a guy a that... A lot, which is exactly yeah. my... Like, we we all know how talented this guy is, but you said this about Nabi Keita, right? Mm-hmm. Nabi does not put his stamp, does not stamp his authority on games. And mm-hmm. Nabi's not even looked at as a leader in the team. Not There's not an excuse. Like, for the, for the price we paid for Nabi, he should be doing that. And that goes doubly for Pogba because Pogba is a World Cup winner. Mm-hmm. Pogba is a leader in that France dressing room. He was one of the leaders at Juventus. And when United signed him, he was supposed to be the crown jewel to take United up that next level. But if anything, he's been more of a giant question mark, a liability. You know, He's been in and out of the team with injuries. Yeah, I, I, I want him to succeed on... A, on on some level because I know how good of a player he is but I don't know about you but it's almost like we've been waiting for so long for Pogba to just dominate and take over but I just feel like it's not happening man I don't think we're gonna see it ever in United should I think he's gonna bounce at the end of the season so you think his future lies in Madrid? Who knows if Madrid will even want him at that point? But I just don't think he'll ever. You know, Pog Boom Pogba, like yep. Juve Mohawk Pogba. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever gonna see him again at United. I, Whether we see him again, I, yeah, full I just stop don't is think another he, thing. But yeah. yeah, I don't think he. Like, he, Pog, you know what I mean? You look at Pogba. He he looks like someone who can you know adapt to the Premier League, but he doesn't seem to. I mean he. He he's world class in certain in, in spurts of the season, but he, he isn't consistent. Like the main gripe that, that I mean not even United fans that us football fans have about Pogba is he is never he's he, he never shows consistent runs of form. He he's a he's kind of like a, a worse version of Ozil to a certain extent. Like I actually see a lot of similarities in Pog- not their style of play mm-hmm. but their the kind of career trajectory. I, I, I mean I actually rate Ozu higher than Pogba because you know mm. Ozu has been in the Premier League longer than Pogba and he I think he's definitely won more trophies correct me if I'm wrong. I, even though it's like uh, a couple of FA like, Cups. like FA Cups yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean still. <laughs> it still counts man. Yep. There are still trophies. Yeah, dude. Yeah, but I think Pogba he does not fit the Premier League style of play. 
he's a bit languid at certain times. I mean, uh, there's no doubt he's extremely talented, but he's kind of like what Berbatov was for United. Like, what, what fans want to see is effort together with talent. But, you know, like, when the chips are down, Pogba isn't the guy that you look up to to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and, you know, actually pull the team across the finishing line. And a player in United that sort of fits the bill right now is, ironically, Bruno Fernandes. But, you know, Bruno is just one man. He can't do everything on his own. It's, football's a team effort. So, yeah, just, just I, I think we've talked a little bit too much on United yet again, which is... Uh, I so mean, to be fair, I, I don't think this has been as one side of a bashing as it might have been in the past, mm. especially after that, um, like, Crystal Palace defeat. This is just... I mean, it's it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's it's come to a point where it's like you said, you have United fans, I have United fans, and you know when it comes to a point that it's you know what the, hell the rival on. fans are pitying you, it's when you know that that's the worst shit hits the fan. <laughs> yeah, that is the that's worst. the worst thing like, that could happen. Like I think I saw a hashtag like a save Ole trending. <laughs> it's like Liverpool fans being trolls and saying um like, hope you guys beat Everton this weekend. You know that's just. That's just taking the piece, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Tot- totally agree with that. I mean, this isn't even about Ole. Like, yeah, Pogba, hopefully after saying this, he has a blinder against Everton. But I've been very disappointed in... Every time I watch a United game, it is like mostly to see if he will just dominate. And I don't know when was the last time I can honestly say that he, he did. And yeah, hopefully we see it soon, but... Like I said earlier, I just don't think it's going to happen again in a United shirt. At least for an extended duration. He might have the one-off where he's superb, but not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like you said, just a one-off. Uh, yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts? Because I think we're we're running, running a little over right now. Mm, yep. Just a little message to Arsenal fans. You know, just... I really, really, <laughs> really want to stick it to the Arsenal fans. Eh? Hey, man. Do you know how much stick they, they were giving me when we sort of played... When, when it was... When it was Jose Marino's tenure at Chelsea and we played, like, boring, but we were winning matches. And it's it's kind of ironic that the same thing is happening to them right now. So I'm just returning the favour. So, you know, Arsenal fans just... You know, manage just your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> you you gotta you gotta you know stop doing you know we gotta real we gotta reel back the, the amount of Ateta Coco that you're snorting up right now <laughs> I mean we're recording it right now it's like it's almost one and Arsenal are gonna play in the Europa League in a couple of hours if they lose to another Wi-Fi password team that yeah, that that you just gonna yeah you guys are gonna Mikael get Williams it. Mikael Williams' trainers are gonna go off course again. <laughs> yeah, you guys are gonna and get it. And then you'll get podcast. a result at the weekend. Yeah, it's just <laughs> all right. Uh, that's all for me. Yeah, all right. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, massive match this weekend: City against Liverpool. We'll be catching up on that next week, as well as whatever else is going on. Have a great weekend, guys. See you.